millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I regret uh, not to have been successful in those arguments. And of course, it's painful. But as we've seen, uh, the herd instinct is powerful. When the herd moves, it moves. Where did it all go wrong for Boris? That I, 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 I'm shaking hands. I was, at a, I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were, a few, there were actually a few coronavirus patients and I shook hands with everybody. A bungling buffoon propelled to high office by privilege. What do you do to relax? What do you do to switch off? Uh, I, I, get, I get old, um, I don't know, cr- wooden crates. Yeah. I turn it into a bus and I, so I, I put passengers. Okay, no, that's paint, what you do to enjoy yourself. I paint, no, I paint no. the passengers enjoying themselves. Okay. Or an astute political operator who became a very unconventional Prime Minister. The people who got Brexit done, the people who delivered the fastest vaccine rollout in Europe and never forget, that is government for you, that's this Conservative government. Whatever your view, Boris Johnson is gone. And the torch will finally be passed to a new Conservative leader, the baton will be handed over, and through that, a new Prime Minister will shortly go to meet a fantastic group of public servants. In this episode of The Bell Tale, we look at what Boris Johnson's legacy is here in Northern Ireland and what might Liz Truss have in store for us. I am announcing our intention to introduce legislation in the coming weeks to make changes in the protocol. Joining me to discuss is Belfast Telegraph reporter Andrew Martin. Andrew, remind us, who is Boris Johnson and how did he become PM? Well, going back, uh, Boris Johnson, he's um, eaten, educated, and his background was actually as a journalist, first of all. Um, Through family connections, he got a job at the Times and was actually unceremoniously dismissed for making up a quote from his godfather, of all people. Um, And then essentially he had a bid um, to become PM in the late 90s, which it failed. But then eventually he did secure a seat for the Conservative Party back in 2001. But his first term was pretty uneventful, shall we say. I mean, before that, the, he was best known probably in the public eye for an appearance on Have I Got News For You back in 1998. Um, but it was really when he became Mayor of London in 2008 where he kind of uh, hit the ground running, shall we say. I therefore officially declare Boris Johnson to be elected as the next Mayor of London. Um, there were some very um, famous pictures of him um, being, how would you say, ziplined down in London while waving Union Jacks. 
And he actually won two terms in London, and he was fairly popular, even though there was some scandals um, along the way, as you would expect. I mean, there was a popular Boris Bikes, but they ended up losing quite a lot of money. Most famous probably for bringing in the new, the new um, Boris buses that were actually made over here. And it was always Boris. Boris, Boris, Boris. I mean, we, Boris, I, I, yeah. I, and we know probably it's wrong as journalists not to call him Prime Minister Johnson or whatever, mm-hmm. but for some reason Boris has stuck. The but this character that he's created, I wonder if it's a if, if it's if it's a real person at all, or is or is Boris some sort of comedic act that he puts on? Well, I think really, um, it was at his time in Eton where he kind of developed this eccentric English persona which he carried on to the day. So I think at the start, it was an act to the degree where he saw this, you know, this persona made him more more popular. Um, and over time, it became him. Um, he actually, you know, took on the name Boris. Boris's middle name, he went by Alexander before all this. So he took on this persona and he realized that, you know, it got him coverage and it got him into um, certain circles. Um, he became chair of the the, um, the conservative group um, while he was at college. Um, but then he just he seems to be one of those characters that leans into controversy and leans into to drawing um, attention regardless of how ridiculous it makes him look. I mean, during his time as a journalist, when he, he covered uh, Brussels, um, he made some bizarre claims about, you know, the European Commission wanting to dictate the curvature of bananas and various other things. So he's very much someone who leaned into controversy and didn't shy away from it. He really, rather just embraced it. I'm glad he's abandoned the banana example. Some How more, many directors have you passed on bananas? You, have you looked at the banana you, directors? You, you, well, have you gotten uh, that? No. But how many are the Well, I'm a journalist. I've always tried to be serious. So are we really... But this man was a European correspondent for a top newspaper. So have I been getting it wrong here? Should I have been developing this character, this characteristic of a complete buffoon? And is that how you can propel yourself to the leadership of one of the most powerful countries in the world. I find, I, I, you know, it's yeah. very hard to get your head around. Well, I suppose it. it depends what your career aspirations are. I mean, this is this is um, a guy who, as a child, when he said he wanted to be when he grew up, he said uh, king of the world. You know what I mean? So he's always wanted power, and he actually mentioned that during his time as um, Brussels correspondent when he was writing these bizarre col- columns, which there was very little um, truth in them. I think he would even admit that he said it gave him it gave him a strange sense of power because it caused so much controversy, and. Um, it, he was one of the few Eurosceptic journalists really in Brussels at that time. Um, and he became, you know, a favourite journalist of Margaret Thatcher. Um, so not sense, so much her In successor. a sense, the cliche is right. All publicity is good publicity. He used controversy, even controversies, which he essentially created himself to create this character, to propel himself forward in life. And it was ultimately politically successful. Now, what, I don't know what that says about us and our age or what that says about him. Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, don't get me wrong, he did do some good things during his time in political office and his time, you know, as the mayor of London, his time as MP and his time as the prime minister. But at the same time, a lot of his popularity was because he made himself well known by saying ridiculous things, some fairly harmful things as well. But eventually it did play a role in his downfall. So, you know, it, it worked to a degree, but it's not something you can continue forever. And it's not something um, that works in every environment, especially when you're dealing with, you know, a global pandemic and people's, we're talking about people's lives. You know what I mean? No one's going to lose their life over someone writing an article about a curvature of a banana. And yet I remember, you know, we all remember that. We all remember that, <laughs> that, that that's article. the thing, yeah. Uh, and I have to say, listening to him speaking over the last two days, because I've been hunting for Boris clips. Mm-hmm. 
and I have to admit he grows on you. You know, I, I know he's from a privileged background, but this character that he's a man of the people, someone who you could go for a pint with, mm-hmm. he certainly left that impression with me, you know, that I would, yeah, I, I mean, I would make him by the first round. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you don't have to look at the amount of votes he's been able to garner in, a, in you know, the last landslide election that he won was just was fairly astounding. And when you see um, the coverage of him and the Vox Pops, you hear that from a lot of uh, conservative voters. He's like, seems like man about town, as you say, buys his round. Um, and he's and he's relatable. You know what I mean? He makes mistakes. He's he's a bit bumbling. He puts his foot in it um, more times than I can count. If Parliament were a reality TV show, then the whole lot of us, I'm afraid, would have been voted out of the jungle by now. But at least we'd have had the consolation of watching the speaker being forced to eat a kangaroo testicle. And, <laughs> So, I mean, looking at it as objectively as we can, Mm -hmm. and I I think, you know, perfect objectivity isn't possible, especially when we live in this era of these these streams of information and images, etc. But could you sum up his legacy as as, as a very detached, politically-minded reporter? Well, I would say scandal would be the first word that would come to mind. Um, and he was just, he was one of these people that, it was mysterious in the sense that, as we have mentioned, he managed to make so many mistakes and <laughs> faced almost defeat so many times but was able to bring it back. Um, it's really, it's it's quite astounding. I mean, he's one of the most surprising politicians you would have seen. You know, if you seen him walking down the street, you wouldn't think, oh, there's the Prime Minister. Like in a way, you know, he had his you know, unruly hair and his, his tie cricket and his shirt hanging out um, and never been afraid to make a bit of a fool of himself. And I suppose he just shows you that um, how shallow politics can be. Yeah, because he, I mean, he had some bad days at the office, if we, as, uh, as we've mentioned. He was certainly not great in detail. I mean, if I turned up to a job interview with that level of preparation I wouldn't get the job and he, he seemed to just literally laugh it off but mm-hmm. he was no Thatcher Churchill he wasn't even yeah. a John Major yeah. in, in terms of but performance that's something, that's something that even goes back to even before when he was a politician you know what I mean but even when he was at school he was known for you know being the one that was missing classes and then even when he first became an MP I think he uh, in his first term he Particularly about maybe half of the votes, and that fell about forty-five percent in the second term. He ended up actually getting sacked for lying about his an affair, um, and got resigned to the back benches. And the amount of, <laughs> yeah, as you say, bad days at the office that he's had. Um, I mean, cut out well, blatantly lying. Um, he was found to have unlawfully proved Parliament. Um, you know, he, was, he faced leadership challenges. There was the whole Partygate scandal, which seemed to change his his. Uh, his narrative of what he knew and when he knew it or what he didn't know and when he didn't know it every other day um, and it got to the stage where he was having um, some of his cabinet ministers going on radio and TV and saying things on his advice which turned out to be untrue so he made liars out of them essentially and we um, mentioned we mentioned his his, his colourful personal life um, I mean in, in, in the age of John Major was assumed to have a very boring life and it turned out that he was more he, he was more interesting, let's just say, than we thought. But that really was part of the downfall of John Major because he had campaigned on family values. Now, G- Boris Johnson just couldn't possibly mention anything like that. We don't even know how many children he has. Exactly. Well, that's it. It's a it's kind of thing where if you don't try to hide the scandal and are kind of open about it in the sense, well, 
maybe not in the sense of how many children he has, but open in the sense where he never really denied anything as such when it came down to it. Um, and everyone's aware of all these issues he's had, all the affairs he's had. Um, there was, I remember there was one very interesting phone call that leaked during his early career. This would have been his time as a journalist whenever uh, one of his um, Eaton friends was worried about a News of the World investigator um, looking into some shady business practices and essentially asked Boris Johnson to give him his address so he could give him a bit of a beating. Never actually happened, but it came out and uh, Boris Johnson it just seemed to be like, well, I was stuck back. Well, for anyone else, that would be the end of you. And he just seems to just to be impenetrable to uh, controversy. It's an amazing phenomenon and, and very modern. I think it fits in very well with the whole Boris Trump thing, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, it's all about us. And it's all about Northern Ireland. So what was his approach to us here and to Northern Ireland's issues and how will he be remembered here? Well, he'll probably most likely be remembered. Well, first of all, Boris buses, but then that's be always quickly taken over by the whole um, Brexit thing. So he was very much, you know, an ardent Brexiteer. Um, he resigned as foreign, uh, as foreign Secretary because he felt Theresa May wasn't being tough enough in negotiations. Obviously, that went down well with the DUP, but then he famously threw them under the bus by saying there would be no border in the Irish Sea. He was famously caught in camera speaking to um, some business leaders here, saying that if they were given um, extra paperwork to sign to get their goods from GB into Northern Ireland, he would advise them to throw them in the bin. Um, and yet there was that incredible DUP conference where the DUP were enthralled to his presence and his words as a unionist and someone who never betrayed him. Can we have some Right. Good afternoon. Let's all sit down. Thank you so much. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, my fellow, my fellow unionists. Of course, yeah, I just think they, they got kind of blinded and forgot really who they were dealing with because they were so focused on um on trying to avoid what they saw as the splitting up of the United Kingdom or threat to sovereignty, but they really thought there were no British Prime Minister. This is the, the, the head of the Conservative and Unionist Party. But I think to a degree, they they just didn't really realise who they were dealing with and they, they trusted people they shouldn't have trusted. Now, he was a vote-getter, uh, as we said, twice elected um, um, Mayor of, of London, mm-hmm. leader of the Conservative Party, he was a successful politician. Of course, yeah. But uh, I know it's a cliche, but almost all political careers end in failure. And I don't think we've seen the end of Boris, but we'll talk about that mm-hmm. later. But eventually, in the Conservative Party, if the 1922 Committee of Black Ventures yeah. decide that, you know, you mightn't lead them yeah. to the next general election victory, i.e. they may lose their seats if you continue, they get rid of you. So how did Boris's fall come about? Well, that's it. There was various things, really. Essentially, we did face quite a bit of criticism for his handling of the pandemic. You know, there was pictures of him without a mask tearing through hospitals at the start of the outbreak. You saying he would shake hands with anyone and whatnot, and obviously he ended up himself in intensive care and almost lost his life. I, 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 I'm shaking hands continuously. I was, at a, I was at a hospital the other night where I think there were, a few, there were actually a few coronavirus patients and I shook hands with everybody. Uh, the Prime Minister has been under the care of uh, doctors in a hospital in London and he is being now admitted into intensive care. And there was criticism for how quick the UK went into lockdown. Um, and, you know, 
there was also this tumultuous relationship or connection rather with um, Dominic Cummings, his chief advisor, who himself um, was caught making a, a road trip during lockdown, which he should never have done. But then there was there was various other things that happened. There was uh, the whole party gate shenanigans. There was you know the the work event that wasn't a work event. Then there was photo evidence that came out. Then it was denied. Then it was said he didn't understand the rules, which he put in place himself. Just seen reports from Twitter that there was a Downing Street Christmas party on Friday night. Do you recognise those reports? <laughs> this fictional party was a business meeting. <laughs> and it was not socially distanced. And then there was Chris Pincher, who was a Tory MP and actually worked with Boris Johnson at his time as um, Foreign Secretary, who... Well, essentially he resigned for inappropriate behaviour at a gentleman's club when he got too drunk and then it turned out that he had uh, Boris Johnson actually been briefed on similar behaviour prior to this, which Boris Johnson later said he hadn't and then he later said he just forgot about it. But really, I think what happened was there was a series of um, by-elections which were very, very surprisingly lost. There were Conservative state seats. One of the the um, overturnings of the... Of the of the vote was you know the biggest in the space of about a decade, and that kind of showed that maybe Boris Johnson can't win votes anymore. Maybe it's gone too far, and people have started to realise that this is more serious. And you know, as you said, it's 1922 committee. Um, you know, and others, if they say you can't win a an election, then what could are what could are because they were they were willing to forgo all of his other flaws, and there were there were plenty. But as long as he was able to deliver election victory. It didn't really matter. But when those bad election results came in, it kind of seemed if this goes on like this and we continue to let it go on like this, we could be uh, in for a defeat in the near future in the next general election. And that was really what caused it. But he, but he did hang on for dear life for as long as he possibly could until eventually, you know, some of his closest ministers turned their back on him. And once one of them resigned, it seemed like um, a deck of cards fall, you know. And now we have Liz Truss. Therefore, I give notice that Liz Truss is elected as the leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. To be honest, I'm always nervous when people ask me who is Liz Truss because mm. I don't really know. I don't think I don't think anyone's really um, an expert in Liz Truss. Has she any interest in Northern Ireland? Well, I think it's noticeable that she did not mention Northern Ireland once in her victory speech or in her speech when she was confirmed at all. She didn't mention the protocol. She didn't mention. Um, the, uh, the union in terms of Northern Ireland's connection to it. Um, she did, and back in, this is a woman as well, back in 2016 when she did visit here, she visited the Balmoral Show. Um, she essentially said the UK is, will be stronger in the EU. You know, she wasn't always a Brexiteer. Um, she's had a complete turn by face. But it remains to be seen, um, you know, how far she goes. She did table um, the protocol bill, which essentially rips up lots of parts of the protocol, which m many people have seen as pandering to the DUP. It's currently making its way through the House of Lords, which probably will happen. Um, but then people will be waiting to see whether or not Sir Jeffrey Donaldson and the DUP do re-enter government when that passes. Are they going to wait until it actually comes into force and these um, the parts of it actually um, are actually enacted um, in practical sense? So we'll see really, or do we expect Liz Truss maybe just to once again throw the DUP under the bus? Now she has um, appointed Chris Heaton-Harris uh, as Secretary of State for Northern Ireland. 
He will surely make uh, unionists smile, perhaps, because he's an ardent opponent of the protocol. He's a former chair of the European Research Group, which is the passionate Brexiteers within the Conservative Party. No, 100%. No, definitely. No, he's one of the most ardent Brexiteers in the Conservative Party, as you said, former chair of the European Research Council, or European Research Group, rather. And uh, But he's very much an unknown quantity, other than that. Um you know, he he has had some fairly senior, um, say behind the behind the scenes, um, jobs. But as such, it's the Northern Ireland Secretary job, and it's a job no one wants. I mean, we had heard yesterday that at least two people had turned it down beforehand. So it was. Can yeah. I interject on that one? Mm-hmm. It's it is a it is a paid job mm-hmm. at the cabinet table. I mean, why do people not want it? Several reasons. Um, I think they're kind of seen it as the wilderness you sent over to, you know, gloomy Northern Ireland. I mean, everyone remember those there pictures of Karen Bradley coming in here in a rainy, drizzly day, which looked almost more like a hostage video. But as well, it's just complicated. Politics is just different here. It just is. I mean, the whole orange and green issue, I think um, politicians across the water find it difficult to wrap their head around that. Um, there's, of course, there's, all, there's legacy issues and there's, you know, dealing with all things of the troubles and, you know, trying to deal with both sides in a, a particularly divided society. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chris Heaton-Harris has tweeted uh, that he's looking forward to getting out there as as if he's going to St Kilda or the Falklands. <laughs> <laughs> Very much so, yes. And it will remain to be seen when it, when his first visit here will actually happen. But yeah, I can't imagine he'll be very warmly welcomed by anyone else that isn't a unionist because, because, because of his background. And as an Orland Secretary, you had to be able to deal with both sides and from what little we do know of him, it doesn't look like as he does that it has the credentials for that. But we'll have to wait and see because he can't completely alienate one, one half of our government or, or um, favour one party at the expense of the others because it just it just won't work. Can we bounce back to Boris? Mm-hmm. I suspect we'll hear of Boris again. I think so. He actually made um, <laughs> in his farewell speech yesterday morning. He made a as he would be in a. A classics enthusiast. He made a reference to the uh, Roman general uh, Cicinatus, who went back to his farm after after preventing uh, the fall of Rome, and then apparently later came back as a dictator. I don't know if that was just a, a slight joke, or he actually really meant it. But and he said he's going to work from the back benches. But I think once you know he's got the taste of of the fame and the big job, I think he'll find it hard to uh, to go back to not obscurity, but relative obscurity possibly but never say never and I wouldn't put it past him to come back but we'll see it would have to be for something big I would he, say he would give you the impression that somehow he sees himself back in Downing Street at a, at a, at a certain uh, point though whether that's a delusion is, is anyone's guess really but, though he'd not be short of a pound or two he could take up no, he, 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 he would be a prize columnist for any of the Tory papers oh, at one stage he was getting paid a quarter of a million pounds a year for doing a column every week um, in the newspaper so no um he won't be shy of a few bob, as you say. Yeah, no. and that's journalism. We don't recognise that world of journalism. So no. when people sometimes talk about, you know, Boris Johnson was was a journalist or is a journalist, he's not a journalist like we're a journalist. No, I'm, not, was... I'm not playing us up or him down. Yeah. It's just not the same ballgame. No, no, he was very much a man on a soapbox, voicing his opinion. Talking about soapboxes now, what is your favourite Boris's moment? For me, it's the model buses thing. When he said, like, what do you do to relax? And he said he gets some sort of wooden boxes and he draws and he paints people on the side and those people are happy. For me, that's my Boris moment. I get, I get old um, 
I don't know, wooden crates. Yeah. And I turn it into a bus, and I, so I, I put passengers. Okay, you know, that's paint, what you do to enjoy yourself. I paint, no, I paint no. the passengers enjoying themselves. Okay. Th that is up there. I think there was also a famous one where he, he famously, well, infamously maybe you would say, and ill-advisedly took part in the children's rugby game where he gave an 11-year-old a fairly forceful shoulder barge and sent him about 15 yards on the pitch. And then there was also that famous uh, hot mic clip where he was in um, a temple in Burma and he thought it'd be a good idea to recite a colonial area, colonial era Kipland uh, <laughs> poem, which the ambassador that was sitting beside him quickly said, it's not a good idea, Boris, not a good idea to be a... He just replied, jolly good. Andrew, thanks for coming in and sharing your thoughts about the former Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. This episode of The Bell Tell was produced by myself, Kieran Dunbar. The sound design was by Graham Davidson. The clips are from the BBC, ITV, Talk Radio, Channel 4 News and Sky News. When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish Independent. Terms and conditions apply.